This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Episode 45 of Aviation Careers Podcast, the podcast where we help you understand different aviation careers, and we try to motivate you to move towards your career goal. Well, today I have with me, again, uh, frequent co-host Tom Wachowski. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Hey, Carl, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back. Well, it, it's fun to have you here. And boy, you know, Tom, we have an interesting topic today. Uh, you know, if you're thinking about a airline, becoming an airline pilot, uh, it's interesting. An airline pilot job has been described as being stressful dangerous and also boring so we're going to talk a little bit about that i know that those seem like opposite ends but we're going to we're going to try to try to discover why those are mentioned and uh, but before we get going uh just a quick note as far as uh what i've been doing and then tom will talk a little bit you know i'd like to relate to you some of the fun things about the job i do and and tom you know some of the fun things he gets to do but i have a couple things two things number one i got to go to uh, haiti on Saturday and flew to Port-au-Prince. That was really cool to see that island. I never realized uh, what it was like and didn't understand the topography and the reasons for the topography and why it was so arid, dry, and and, and treeless, basically. But the the captain I was flying with, he actually uh, flew in there with C-17s, and he, he taught me quite a few things about uh, about the history of, of the island. And it was just, it's one of those places I've never seen before. It was really exciting. So that's one of the cool things about this job is getting to see something brand new and going getting to go down to Port-au-Prince Bay and fly in there and then take off. As a matter of fact, I talk about the whole experience at length on the Stuck Mike Avcast. It's gonna, um, it's on the January 15th episode. So if you want to listen to my whole experience there, it was, uh, pretty wild, pretty interesting. And, and, uh, the flight out there was, was really cool down the valley. But, uh, so Tom, what, what have you done that's pretty interesting lately? What kind of flying? Well, you know, flying has been slow. This time of year, uh, as the company that I work for kind of gets into holiday mode, the flying and traveling slows down. So I've done a bit of flying actually on my last trip. It was interesting. I woke up in Seattle and there was about four inches of snow on the ground in Seattle. And that was not something that I had anticipated or really thought could even happen. But uh, it did. And very interesting. We actually um, we threw the airplane in a hangar and melted all the snow off. And then we actually boarded our passengers in the hangar and pushed the airplane out and took off. And thankfully, it had stopped snowing about 15 minutes before we pushed the airplane out of the hangar. And the reason all that matters is because uh, Boeing Field, where we were, is very, at least for the business jet side, uh, I know Boeing's got a big operation there, but at least on the business jet side, is pretty much ill-equipped to handle de-icing and anti-icing. So we were kind really? of on our own. And uh, we showed up a couple of hours early, pulled out all the books to make sure we knew you know, that we were getting everything done and using the right checklist and so on and so forth for those cold weather ops. But that was uh, one of the more interesting scenarios that I've uh, had to deal with, geez, in a, in a long time. Well, that's interesting. Gosh, I would have, you know, we'd all think that they'd be a, a great resource for anti-ice and de-icing, but you're on the other side of the field. You're working on something different, which is private and jet aviation. So that's that's pretty interesting. And, uh, oh, and by the way, I, I um, if you get a chance... Now that you're talking about private aviation, you did an episode that was really interesting about upset training, and I can't remember the, the number of the episode. Maybe you can remember it, but uh, it was really good about upset training and uh, uh, you know loss of control. 
uh, and that was a really neat subject. Can we talk a little bit about that? Do you remember the episode? Yeah, it was episode number 18, and um, yeah, I interviewed uh, one of the gentlemen who is over at a company called Aircraft Performance Solutions, or APS Training, and essentially what they do is train people how to, how to fly an airplane when you get into an unusual latitude. And I know we know. I know some of the folks listening who go to training in simulators do unusual attitudes, but there's nothing like doing it in the airplane. And so, yeah, he talked at length about um, you know loss of control. Right now is what's is what's killing us. It's what's causing a lot of accidents in aviation. So it's a hot topic for the FAA. And these guys are about a decade ahead of the industry as far as training curriculums. And I actually was lucky enough last year I went through their training, a three day course. Uh, which is composed of maybe five or six or seven flights and an extra 300. And I'll tell you what, for anybody that is, uh, wants to become a better pilot, go through uh, upset recovery training because you will come out of that um, with confidence you didn't even know that you didn't have uh, for when an airplane gets upside down or upset in general. Well, that's interesting. That sounds good. So uh, the episode again, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, pri- it's, it's episode number 18 over at the Private Jet Podcast. Cool. Yeah, as a matter of fact, that's a big hot topic. You know, I do the safety program with the FAA and uh, just did a seminar on uh, loss of control and talked a little bit about upset training, which is a big thing right now, now with the new uh, FAR regulations, especially for airline pilots. Kind of lends into what we're talking about here today as far as (laughs) we talked about the stressful and dangerous and boring job that it is to be an airline, a commercial airline <laughs> pilot. And, and I think you could say that about uh, any any uh, <laughs> flying job. But Tom has some experience flying and settle I with the airlines. And, you know, the, and I'm currently flying for the airlines. The, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the stress factor. You know, I, I saw this in salary.com, by the way, has some really cool stuff in there. And one of the, it says it had an article on the top 10 most stressful jobs. As a matter of fact, I'll I'll put that out there as a link on aviationcareerspodcast.com slash 45. And uh, number four was airline pilot, a commercial airline pilot. It says, wow. you know, one of the things they said there, and it talks about the annual median salary of $119,958 for a commercial airline pilot. And, and, you know, we travel hundreds of thousands of miles and we're sitting there uh, and a lot of times on autopilot. But one of the things that can become stressful is is the fact that, and this is for some people, is the fact that, uh, and obviously most people, is the fact that you're entr- all these people entrusting their lives uh, to you because you're flying that airplane. So you really have to think about that every time you go flying. And there's a lot of stresses as far as the legalities, and especially now with the new FAR-117, which are the new rest rules. Mm-hmm. And now we're having to worry about you know making sure that we're legal for that. Also, the new tarmac de- delay rules. I mean, I had that issue the other day. I had to come back to the gate. We had to cancel the flight because of the new rules. I mean, there's all these things that that we have that are that are very stressful in that. I, to me personally, and Tom can talk about this as far as the stress of the job is concerned. The most stressful thing really is the passengers and and working within the confines of the rules. The passengers, because uh, you, you, that's what you're doing. You're you're carrying passengers from point A to point B. So there are certain issues that come up that can add stress to your life. For instance, you have somebody on board that has a certain type of animal and the person 
say it's a, a guide dog or it's a service animal and the person next to him is allergic to that service animal. Now we have to move mm-hmm. the person to another row. Uh, someone sits next to somebody else and they don't smell very good. And uh, somebody's swearing at the flight attendant. We have to throw them off if they become violent, et cetera. There's all those kind of things. You know, we had an incident the other day. Someone was bleeding and we had a tough time trying to stop them from bleeding. We we're trying to figure out where to, to divert to. So those are the things. It's, it's the passengers most of the time that add to our stress. Every so often it's the weather, but more so the passengers. And how about you, Tom? What, what do you feel is the most stressful part about, about being a commercial airline pilot? Not, not a corporate pilot, but I mean, we'll ask you about the corporate pilot. Yeah, you know, I think when I was flying in the airlines, um, and, and this maybe isn't so much part of the job, but for people who are listening to this show and want to become airline pilots, it might be, and that was commuting. For me, that was very stressful, just trying to get to and from work. And then actually at work, I would say the schedule was the stressful part um, where you know you weren't rested as much as you would have liked to have been. Maybe you know you were legal, but you just you were tired and you know we know we don't perform at our top uh, in anything when we're tired and so you know and the first day it wasn't too bad but by the third or fourth day that would start to shorten your temper you would start missing things and you know a lot of people who are pilots hold themselves to a high standard and you catch yourself doing this and not being in a good mood and that you kind of starts to compound the stress and so it was it was schedules it was sleep those were some of the more stressful things um that i experienced you know, it's interesting you brought that up, Tom. That's, that's a good point as far as the commuting is concerned. My commute is fairly easy, but some folks have some really tough commutes trying to get to work. And the other thing, too, is uh, I don't know about you, but I remember and still do to talk about your salary and the money and what the company's <laughs> doing. And you have so many people are telling you, hey, the company's, you know, trying to pull the wool over our yeah. eyes and all this stuff. And, that, and, you know, all that conversation about pay, I really, after a while, you just want to Say, I don't want to listen to it anymore. <laughs> yeah, sometimes um, you can get paired up with somebody and, uh, you know, it's just a tougher fit and that can be stressful. Yeah. And honestly, the, the, the most stressful thing for me right now is, and this has just been the past couple of months, is sitting in the crash pad because I went back to reserve mm-hmm. to get some different days off and all of a sudden everybody starts getting down uh, you know they talk about this and that, <laughs> yeah. you know gosh i'm not making enough money and then uh, blah 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 it's like oh my gosh yeah and uh if i was amongst you know other people we wouldn't talk about aviation and some days that that would actually lead to less stress and so uh so there there's painting it in a a not so brilliant light as far as the job is concerned but i find but, if you I know in the, in the same that, breath a lot of jobs have that yes oh yeah definitely most definitely. You're right about that. I think with ours, the difference is we hang around with each other for such long periods of time True. and have the ability to talk about it for hours on end. Because you we know, love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and and then you talk about these things and you get going about it. Whereas, you know, in an office situation, you know, I worked a desk job, you know, you have maybe 15 minutes to talk about it and you're back to work again. Right. But uh, yes, there are stresses involved and uh, mainly there's some as far as safety con- is concerned. But, you know, that was another thing too. They they talked about. Uh, we said that's one of the most the deadliest jobs is uh, now. Now this you have to understand it. They're talking in the Forbes article that I'll link to on the podcast. They're talking about airline or excuse me aircraft pilots and flight engineers. So it's everybody, planes, mm. helicopters, and these are people that are doing all sorts of flying jobs. When you get to the airlines portions of it, it's not quite as 
as dangerous because you're operating in a much different environment. You know, a lot, and as you get a, into a bigger plane, a lot of times you're only doing one leg in a day. You're getting above the weather and you're flying for hours and you're landing and you're just going through the weather twice. When I was operating for the regionals, I would fly through the weather all day long doing yeah. five, six takeoffs and landings. And I'm sure you've done that too, Tom. Yeah, those days where you took off and you were in the clouds at four to 500 feet and you didn't see the ground till four to 500 feet and you did that for a month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're flying in the weather, whereas yeah. as opposed to being above the weather, you're actually flying through the, all the all the thunderstorms and, and the bad, the icing, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's some other aircraft jobs out there that are a lot more dangerous. And that's, you know, I have friends that would, did fire patrols. I have friends that did helicopters and, and fire helicopter pilots. You know, they'd go out to, to drop things on the fire, you know, retardants, yeah. or they'd actually yeah. pick people up. That's pretty dangerous stuff. But as far as, gosh, I think as far as the airlines are concerned, you know, normally that's that's not an issue. Every so often it happens where you might have an emergency, something happens something that's scary happens that's like you know they describe the job as hours of boredom punctuated by moments of sheer terror <laughs> and that's very true it's usually the big bang that gets you it's like oh what is that so yeah. you know we talked about that that you know it's it's a nerve-wracking job i know flight instructing uh you know when you do 100 takeoffs and landings in one day teaching someone how to land that could be a little stressful um you have to have a lot of patience but especially on landing because now you know you do, there's a little more risk as far as your life is concerned. You know, you do sure. have to pay a little more attention because you could bump into something, obviously. So that, yeah. that's really important. And uh, it, it's all how you look at it. I mean, you try as hard as you can to make it as, as stressless as possible. Yeah. Uh, I and know, and you know, big, a big yeah. part of that, I think, is, you know, you said it's all in how you make it. And that really, at the end of the day, I think, boils down to attitude. You know, if, if you approach it with an attitude of, you know, uh, wanting to be... You know, you use the example of the flight instruction, or even you could use this in the airlines. Where you've approached it with this attitude, I'm going to deliver the best product, or the best instruction, or the best service, versus it, you know, coming into it with the attitude that I'm just here to get my money, to get a paycheck. Those are going to be two different uh, experiences, or two different, I guess, quote levels of danger. Yeah. You know, it's funny you brought that up. It seems like the in any job, and I've done a lot of different things. So have you that you know, if you're just doing it for the money. A lot of times it can turn into a job that, that is, is not fun at all. You may wind up liking it anyway, but if you're just doing it for the money, that, that's kind of the wrong, wrong way about it. You know, it's right. chicken and yeah. egg theory. Go in it because you, because you really, really do, do love doing that, that job. But, uh, but there's so many fun things. I mean, here, uh, here's a good example of something that's stressful, but it's a good kind of stress. I got to fly a new airplane the other day. We um, we have uh, Airbus A321s, which are longer than the Airbus A320 yeah. that I normally fly, and it was it was exciting, but it was also stressful at the same time. Yeah, because now there's some new procedures. There's some different ways to program the the FMS, and there's different ways to to actually take off and land, and just just slight differences. But of course, when you're thinking about it, you're a little you're a little more nervous about it because you're like, oh, sure. boy, I don't want to. I don't want to mess this up kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and some of those are good stress. A, a good example is I'm, I'm going to get my type rating next week. My, I have my second in command type rating. Now I'm getting my pilot in command type rating. Of course, any type of event that you have that is a, a, a recurrent training, boy, that, that can be stressful. That can be very, very stressful. And, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm doing my yearly review 
And uh, just to to give you an idea, and obviously I'm not going to talk about how much I make, but to give you an idea of the difference between first year and second year pay, I'm actually uh, starting second year pay today as we speak, and I'm getting a 65% increase in pay from yeah. my last year's pay. So the, the way the airlines work, in the beginning you don't make much, but it jumps up fairly quickly. So pretty yeah, happy about first, that. <laughs> yeah, the first year is just, um, oh. you know, just make sure everything's kind of jiving. Yeah, uh, you're good for them, and they're good for you, and and, and all that. Yeah, it's, it was a, it, it it can be pretty tough. But let's talk a little bit about the boring side of things, and I'll, I'll talk about the airlines. Tom can talk about the uh, as far as the the corporate side of it. I find, and this is a, a generality in life, boring people are some are boring usually. Now, the, when I say that, this is what I mean. I mean, I I go out in my little boat in the Bahamas. I used to go on a, a long time ago, and I just had a little motor on it. And I'd motor around, go to deserted islands, hang out. And people would say, oh, that's boring. But, you know, I could sit there with a Tom Clancy novel. I could go fishing or whatever. It's it's not boring to me because I like doing that. Same thing with the airlines. There's times that I just want to stick my head out the window and watch the world go by because it's so <laughs> beautiful. And then there's times I want to talk to the captain that I'm flying with because of the fact that he has such an interesting story. I am fascinated by people, so I usually am never bored when I'm flying because I love to listen to all the things that the person I'm flying with is doing, whether it's somebody who's interested in, in hiking, uh, camping, they're building an airplane, they're out there flying something new, they have a boat, they go diving. There's so many things you can learn from the person next to you, and you have hours to do it, and there's they have so much knowledge that you don't have. a. There's going to be something they can teach you, and that's what excites me about flying for hours and hours. So, no, I usually don't get bored, but that's me. That's me personally. How about you, Tom? You know, I, it's kind of the same thing. I, I don't find myself getting bored very often uh, because all of it, like like you said earlier, it's, it's, it's so fascinating. You know, everything about it from from beginning to end and everything that goes on behind the scenes is very fascinating. Now, in the same breath, you know, make no mistake when you're, you know, an hour four of a seven hour flight and you're, you start to look at your watch. <laughs> 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 that happens. Um, but you end up finding ways to pass the time, and it really, you know, I'm, I, I can't even think of a flight where, you know, I was bored. There's just always something to do. Yeah, and I, now I, I say that there's going to be some people that will disagree with that, and I'd, I'd love to hear what they have to say. Um, I've I've flown with those type of people that are bored, and, and, you know, maybe it's time to move on to a different career possibly. Uh, if you're that bored with what you're doing, and maybe this was the wrong choice, but again, it's it's all the way you look at the world. Yeah, it's all the way that right. you look at life in general, and the way you look at your job. I don't think I would ever be bored with whatever I'm doing, and I even say that you know, if I lost my medical tomorrow, I'm moving on to the next thing, right? You know? Right. And no matter what that is, I hope it would be an av- aviation. You know, maybe the company I'm working for, if I I couldn't fly anymore, maybe they give me a job doing something else, because yeah. uh, you know, as pilots and as anybody in aviation, we love being around airplanes. And that's why we're doing this podcast, because there's so many cool jobs in aviation. There's management jobs, et cetera. And we're going to have some of those people on the on the podcast. And by the way, uh, this podcast is coming out uh, a, a little delayed from the last one. I, I didn't mention this, just to put it forth. Just had, you know, uh, sickness in the family kind of thing, how to take care of that. So that's one of the reasons I had to do that. But everything's fine. Uh, so we're going to try to pump these out. Another thing, too, by the way, is I'm really excited to finally, finally got to hire somebody to, to do my uh, – the uh, scholarships. So all these mm. scholarships that I have, 
I haven't put it on the computer yet, so I'm working on that. So that's pretty exciting there. Yeah, that'll be a great resource yes. for, for yes, people. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And that won't be boring, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, airline pilot, stressful, dangerous, and boring. Well, yeah, it's all of those things. Uh, and it's it's a mixture that is put together, and it's kind of like mixing your own cocktail, mix, making your own meal. It's going to taste different. It's going to be different for every single individual. And yep. you make it what you want it to be. Is it stressful? Is it dangerous? Is it boring? Well, you can make it exciting. You can make it less dangerous and you can make it less stressful based on how you look at it and what you do for that in that situation. So, Tom, you know, there's th- this has been great conversation about that. This is something that that kind of was I was kind of afraid to talk about, actually, because I'd yeah. I, I never want to, you know, tell people not to go into this. But there's some realities about this job, too. And I. Uh, the, the, the stressful and dangerous, you know, I, I will say I've, I have lost friends in aircraft accidents. I've, uh, an airplane accident, large airplanes, small airplanes, everything. Yeah. If you're going to be in this long enough, that's going to happen. But, you know, I look back at my life and I've had the same thing happen in car accidents. I still go out and I drive my car. So you have to look at it that way. Yep. Just make it as, as, as stressless and as safe as you can. So moving on, we've got, uh, a couple of questions coming in, but, there's uh, one thing I want to mention, and this goes back to a previous episode, uh, and I can't remember the name of the person who asked this, but he talked about air traffic control, and he was from, uh, uh, I think, Spain. And I was able to meet with some folks at uh, air traffic control today. Uh, we were talking about uh, some of the different nuances of air traffic control in the Tampa Bay area. And we talked about tower tours and, you know, having to be a U.S. citizen to do the tower tours. And what's really funny is the fact that at one of the local uh, flight schools, the chief pilot is from another country. So she can't go on the tower tours that her students can go on. It's 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 just absolutely phenomenal. But Yeah, that's mind-boggling. It is. It is. It really is. It's it's like, wow. Uh, but and, and it can happen. It just has to go. It, it has... It has to be, you know, put forth well in advance if you want, if you're a foreigner and you want to go for a tower tour. There's a lot of work to be done. But with that said, going back to the situation, this person wanted to become an air traffic control controller in a contract tower. And there are a lot of contract towers out there. And I'm getting information from those contractors that uh, she spoke with. The, it, now, what happens is the FAA, the air traffic controllers, every so often they lose people to these contract towers. And the reason being is maybe they live there, like a uh, good example, Winter Haven. Uh, is it Winter, yeah, Winter Haven and Lakeland. They have people that live locally, and their air traffic controllers, they wind up getting a job there, and they love it. So they're pretty happy about that. She, The, the air traffic controller I spoke with wasn't sure, but she did say something about the possibility of, of uh, people that – uh, are from another country being able to work in contract towers. Can they work in federal towers? No, uh, that's mm. definitely can't do that. But I'm still working on that, so I wanted to, wanted to add that to today's discussion. Carl, is that is that because they're not a U.S. citizen? Is that the issue? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they have to be a U.S. citizen. They have to, uh, and not just a resident alien. They have to be a uh, uh, you know have it. They can't just have a green card. They have to be a U.S. citizen. Right. Obviously. That that's um, you know it's something that's. And not only that, they have to retire. Was it 56, I think she said? So it's a lot younger wow. uh, than uh, doing air traffic control. As a matter of fact, this person, wonderful person, she got into flying right about in the 80s when they started furloughing and all. And she said, hey, here's air traffic control. I get to stay in aviation. Cool. 
So she did that and she's, uh, she's been doing that most of her life and really, really enjoys it. So there again, here's somebody who couldn't fly, went on to something else and got into something she makes really good money with and also enjoys. So you yeah. never know what the future is going to bring for you. So let's, uh, let's move on as far as the, uh, the listener mail. We've got a couple of them this evening. And, uh, let's see. The first one that I'm going to come across here, it says, it's from Jeremy. It says, I stumbled onto your podcast in my search for learning more about becoming a test pilot. I listened to your interview with Mark Jones, and it was extremely informative. I was hoping that you can answer a few questions for me or put me in touch with Mark Jones because I have a few specific questions regarding my situation and my aspirations. By the way, if you have any questions, this is a good time to mention this. If you have any questions for any of the uh, hosts or any of the people, co-hosts, any of the people I've had on here, you can send them to me, and I definitely will forward them uh, to that email address and and ask them if they can respond to you directly or they can respond through me either way. So definitely send your question in for any of the host, co-hosts, and I know Tom will take questions, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I've taken a couple. I like that. That's terrific. So anyway, getting get back to Jeremy's questions, uh, I'm a junior in the Department of Mathematics at the University of Utah. I was graduate in the spring of 2015 with honors degree in mathematics as well as a minor in computer science. Oh, cool. You know, I had my, my major in, in computer science and my minor in math. Uh, it's a, a terrific uh, thing to get into, especially when you get into flying more advanced type of airplanes because you got to think, I think, more like a computer scientist nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> he continues, my dream is to be an astronaut, and I feel that the best route to take this is the, the test pilot school. The problem is I have zero flight experience and don't know the best path to take. Should I join the Air Force and gain flight experience and then apply to test pilot school? I felt that it's a long road. Is there a better way? Also, education is extremely important to me. Is it possible to pursue a graduate degree while learning how to fly a uh, uh, MWS aircraft? Uh, I really appreciate your podcast since I have discovered it in very pivotal time in my life. That's great. Thank you and look forward to hearing from you. I think that's terrific. Thanks, Jeremy, for the question. As far as a test pilot school, I think I mentioned this on a previous uh, podcast. It was something that I was really interested in at one point. Uh, it's cool. It's great. But as a civilian, to pay for that, they uh, at the time I originally looked at it, it was like $900,000. Uh, we're talking over a million now. So it probably would be best, and I don't think a waste of time, to go through the actual uh, the, the military to do that because you're, you're actually going to be paid to become a test pilot. Uh, but there are other people that have gone through different uh, different test pilot programs. And quote-unquote, to be a test pilot, you don't necessarily have to have gone through these schools. I have uh, friends that have done test pilots. They're fl- um, uh, aeronautical engineers. They're pilots, and they're doing some test flying for uh, for a Piper aircraft, that type of thing. And uh, I, But Mark Jones is the man to talk to. I will have him answer this question and also have his – I'll read his answer here or, or possibly record an answer and, and have it put on here. Any other advice you can give him, Tom? Anything you know about as far as test pilot schools? You know, I don't. And he had mentioned wanting to be an astronaut, so that kind of takes it to a different level than some of the stuff, you know, you could do um, uh, here on Earth, I guess. So, no, I, I don't have a lot of experience there. Now, now having taught near, near NASA in, in Houston – we did have quite a few astronauts that would come by and rent airplanes, and we had a lot of uh, astronaut applicants at the airport. You don't, uh, ne- you definitely don't have to be a test pilot to become an astronaut and to apply for the program. There's, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, one person that I know that was accepted to the astronaut program. She uh, was an aerobatic pilot. She also was a physician, 
and uh, just a real sharp, sharp lady, and was in great shape, and and applied, and was actually to, to able to get into the program. Uh, unfortunately, she had a, a plane accident, wasn't able to continue with it. But oh. uh, the uh, but there's you know there's so many opportunities out there, and and there's but there's a window because I remember another person I worked with, he was an engineer, and he was bec- trying to become an astronaut and go through the program. And it was trying to jump through all the hoops. It's very challenging and, uh, it is a long road, but it doesn't, there's many ways to get there. So don't think that you have to become a test pilot to become an astronaut. That's definitely not, not true. And the uh, other, you know, the other factor too is all these, uh, private entities now mm-hmm. going into space. There might be opportunity there. Yeah. And I think that's going to grow over the next, uh, next 10 years or so, but, uh, and 20 years, uh, and especially mm-hmm. with, uh, I, I think another thing that's going to grow is is, is the uh, unmanned aircraft systems. Uh, that, there's yeah. going to be a lot of that out there too. But uh, Jeremy, that was a great question. I will get you in touch with uh, Tom. He, or excuse me, Mark. Mark was uh, Mark Jones uh, was on the episode prior about being a test pilot. So thanks for that question. And moving on to the next question. Uh, let's see. It says, uh, "Hi, I enjoy your podcast. I have a question." What would you recommend is the best place to network regarding corporate aviation and jobs? I live in the Chicago area. Any recommendations or any clubs I could join? Also, would an FA pink slip, a checkride failure, impact my corporate flying career? I messed up my commercial checkride and my commercially multi-checkride. Since then, I've learned from my mistakes, but is there a limit? Thank you. Uh, we're going to you know, withhold the name on that one at a request. There's a... Uh, you know, as, let me just talk a little bit about networking in corporate aviation. I recently, you know, I, I get involved in corporate aviation because of the fact that I, I love aviation in general. And I joined a local uh, aviation organization, the Tampa Bay Aviation Association. That's primarily for private and corporate aviation. And I think it, if I was looking for a corporate job, that would be one of the best places to go. As a matter of fact, a gentleman I met there, that's what he was doing. He was actually networking. I wasn't networking for that. I was just, just there because I love aviation and I, I love being with these people. And, and I like to put my input in from, from an airline perspective. And so I think going out there and joining these, these organizations is a great idea. And um, I know, Tom, you've been an advocate of this, of course. Yeah, networking has landed me every corporate job that I've had. Um, I guess all three of them, or four of them actually. And you really can't do enough of it. Where to go? I mean, obviously the airport. You know, I when I first left, uh, knew I'd be leaving the airlines going to corporate. I just started knocking on doors. And our local airport has a um, chapter from the NBAA, and anybody's welcome to go to those meetings. And that's a great place to network. And, you know, the other place too, especially somebody starting out in their career. Um, are the FBOs. I mean, just getting a line job at an FBO, I will tell you that, you know, when we go somewhere and the line person is exceptional, we make note of that. And I can remember one, and I can't remember where this was or, or when it was, but I remember this one gentleman and he just was delivering, you know, he's getting everything done that we needed to get done. And he ended up striking up a conversation with him. It turns out he was pursuing an aviation career. So we ended up exchanging business cards and uh, you know, I never, I, I, I lost touch with him and I don't know where he ended up, but you know, what a great way to network. And then the other thing I just thought of too is depending on your experience level, I know a lot of times the training centers are looking for, um, interns and also second in command folks. 
who can come in and fill in in the right seat for maybe somebody who's going to training by themselves and there's instructors out or whatever it may be. And I know a number of people who have gotten great corporate jobs because they were at the training centers, either working or interning. Well, that's a great idea, Tom. Uh, I'm glad you passed that along. The uh, there's actually internships are are all over, but you a lot of times don't find out about them unless you go out there and network, like you were saying, because boy, they're sucked up pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, and it's amazing the number of people who I know. I just know this from my friends who worked at the various training centers. Their students would would come through, and you know they end up uh, clicking very well with the instructor and. Lo and behold, they end up getting a job offer or an interview offer at some point. So that's, I know a lot of people who have landed great gigs just by, you know, putting in a year or two at a training center. Right, right. And, you know, he he also asked some questions about the Chicago area and clubs. And, you know, I I did a little research and you know that uh, um, from the Stuck Mike Avcast, Len Costa is in the Chicago area. He has a lot of friends there, but I didn't didn't realize we actually know somebody mutually. His name is uh, Al Waterloo. Of mm. simplaflight.net. I don't know if you've yeah. ever heard of that. But, yeah, uh, I listen to them on Sunday nights. Yeah. Oh, boy. You know, I, I actually haven't listened. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Gosh, I'm going to make them feel <laughs> bad. I haven't listened to it yet, uh, but I, I am going to start listening to it now that he gave me this information. It's been out there for a while. It's it's embarrassing that I do all this, and I, I don't know much about it. But, hey, that's that's the way life is. You don't know everything. Yeah, right? there, theirs <laughs> is fun because it's live. And yeah. yeah. You can tweet tweet them and email them live, and uh, it's it's a it's an interesting format. It's a fun show. Cool, cool. So it's simplaflight dot net. He'd be a good resource. But uh, Al actually answered this question. So let let me uh, let me read his answer real quickly here. And this is again, this is Al Waterloo from simplaflight dot net. Simplaflight dot net. That was hard to say. Uh, Al says the Chicago market is on fire at the moment. Lots of great flight departments are hiring. This also means a lot of entry-level jobs are opening up as people are moving up. There's a group called CBAA, the Chicago Business Aviation Association, that is a great networking tool. There are a few online communities as well on LinkedIn. So he actually wants to know what kind of job he's looking for and and any idea of the airplane or company or gig that he's looking for. But you guys can correspond there. I'd I'd, I'd tell you to go to uh, simplaflight.net to figure that out. Because there's a whole mix of opportunities, he says, and uh, and he would and, and this person, uh, you know, I actually did listen to a little portion of it. Seems like a really good person here, the Sal Waterloo. He also co-hosts it with somebody else. Um, he continues. There are a few new startup websites. Uh, he's not a member of, but uh, many friends keep sending him lots of referrals through that website. Since I'm not in the biggest hurry to move, I personally haven't applied yet. In the corporate world, it's all about networking, as we said, and personality. Yes. <laughs> so and thank you, Al, for saying that. Even if they are low time and have a few failures on their record, that's not a problem at all. If the listener projects the value they can add to the department and make a great relationship, they will be in a great spot. Al uh, from Al Waterloo from SimpleFlight.net. Thanks so much for answering that question. I, I'd highly recommend you going out there and listening to it. Uh, and I know, Tom, you would agree with most of what he says there. The CBAA is it the, the Chicago Business Aviation Association. Yeah, Al's response is spot on. Now, as far as the LinkedIn websites that, or the LinkedIn uh, groups that he talked about, I actually did research those. Most of them, it seems you have to actually be in the Chicago area or uh, have some affiliation there. 
Uh, what I will do is I'll put those links to those uh, LinkedIn communities. It's interesting he talks about the CBAA. I'm actually just joined the TBAA, the Tampa Bay Aviation Association. And these organizations, just like I said before, are just terrific for networking, networking, networking. Uh, it's that, and that's what, what it's about in any type of aviation job. You know, here's a good example. You know, we're talking about corporate jobs, but how about on the airline side? I actually have a, a friend of mine who I gave a recommendation to, to an airline. And it turns out that this person, he knows a lot about military aviation and also helping military aviators find jobs. And the airline that he was applying to wanted to get the word out because, you know, they're trying to hire as many military folks as they can. Uh, you know, I think it was that 100,000 uh, military uh, personnel that they want to hire in any kind of jobs. Well, this person went to that airline that he was applying to and said, hey, I can help you get your information out to the all the military personnel, these different bases, because that's what I used to do. And he was able to do that. Well, lo and behold, he's got an interview next week with that airline Wow! Uh, that he helped out. So, he, again, no matter what situation, it's, it's a lot of it's about networking. Um, and, of course, it's, it's, it's also – one of the things that I found too is is just be yourself. Uh, don't yes. try too hard because a lot of times what happens, people almost think they seem like I wouldn't say begging, but they're sitting there saying, "Oh my God, I want to work here. I want to work here so bad." Don't we know you want to work here really bad? Uh, but and you really want to work for this company, but you know, make sure you you have something to give to them, and you can bring the value you will bring to the organization to that person and, and explain why it is they should hire you. Uh, they already know that you're excited to be there. You know, and that's good. I mean, you should be excited and bring that apart, across, but also, you know, add to it. Add to the fact that you have something to give to them. What kind of value, you know, are you bringing to that actual organization? So make sure you have that in mind. Yeah, and the only other thing I would add there, um, Carl, is I've seen a lot of people, and I'm sure you have, you have as well, um, when they come in and they start to network or they, they go to industry events and they're trying to make connections, which is all good and all fine, but in a lot of times, uh, they'll come into it with the wrong attitude. In other words, it's, a, it's too aggressive. And I would say a, a great piece of advice that somebody gave me early on was to just be humble and have humility. You know, you're, you're, you're there to serve them. And uh, I've seen enough people come through where they think that... Um, you know, they, they, they probably do have a lot of value to add, but the way that they portray that is such a turnoff and that really hinders their career. And so uh, I think that's something to keep in mind. Yes, and I, I, I agree because I've seen people come to me especially and I get letters every week from people and calls mm -hmm. like, gosh, I really want to work for the company you're working for. And uh, some are over the top, you know, it's like, well, yeah. well slow down. Yeah. You know, just relax, you know, tell me why you want to work there, you know, and that, that type of thing. And, and we all, uh, yes, we have some influence. Everybody does, but uh, we don't have as much influence as you think. You know, it's right. It, it, you typically find that. I mean, I, I get at least one, two, three resumes a week from people that want to work for the company I'm with. Uh, yeah. It's pretty interesting. Let's go back to the whole pink slip thing as far as the mm. failures. Um, I, uh, like I said, I've worked with people who failed almost every check ride and because of their attitude, they were able to get in. Uh, that is an issue. You better be able to explain that. Um, and especially now with all the PREA requests, uh, the Pilot Records Information Act, and I'll have a link to that. You are going to see more 
uh, of the airlines and everybody looking towards your records and any failures that you do have. And make sure you have a good uh, basis for your explanation. You have a good explanation. I have, I actually have uh, a person that I worked with that he got fired twice uh, from the actual airline and then the regional airline that served wow. that airline. And he got on with another regional that worked for that same airline. <laughs> so it, it, it's not impossible. It's just you have to explain it. Why did this happen? And, and what would you do differently? Uh, I, I will say one thing on this note. And I've seen this happen uh, lately and just in general. It's, it's easier to get a job if you have a job. It really is. Because yeah. if I, now I'm not saying you shouldn't quit your current job, especially if they're telling you to do things that are illegal and unsafe. That's different. Of course, you have other avenues to go towards uh, there. But you really should try to think about, do I really want to leave this job? You're more valuable when you do have a job because a lot of times, you know, it's the same thing. You know, hey, there's somebody there. You know, when you're out dating or whatever, you know, hey, that person's got a girlfriend. You know, I want to, I want to go out with that person, that kind of thing. But it's always the person who never has any kind of a, a friends or whatever that winds up not having any <laughs> friends. It's just kind of, kind of perpetuates itself. Same thing with a job. You know, you just, you're looking out there for a job and, and they see that you're bringing value to a certain organization. They, they want to see what kind of value you can bring to their organization. Uh, I'm sure, Tom, you've seen people that have had, uh, any type of failures before, but have able, been able to move on. Yeah, it happens. I mean, we're all human. We all make mistakes. But I think it's uh, like we talked about already, the attitude. You know, how do you, um, how, how do you explain yourself? And what did you learn? What were the takeaways? And, and things like that really go a long way because none of us are immune to making mistakes. And when we're coming up through the ranks and we're getting our certificates, we're learning, even on that check ride. I mean, I can think of every check ride I've ever taken and I can, I can walk away from that with things that I learned. And so if you have a failure, if you have a, you know, a recheck or if, there's, if you get fired or you have to quit, it's just another story that you can use to make yourself actually look better. Right. Good point. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't say you could, you're not going to make it through. Uh, it's all about your attitude. So, so just, just practice, practice, practice what you're going to say as far as, you know, why did you fail? What did you learn? And how are you going to move forward from that? Uh, and that's really, really important. Uh, moving on, uh, to the next question. It's about aerial photography and, it's, uh, somebody from the Bahamas who says, Hey, I'm 20 and from the Bahamas and really appreciate all the great advice and information offered in your podcast and the supporting links. I've been interested in aviation my whole life and will soon be starting school to earn my A&P certificate, uh, aircraft and power plant mechanic, and later on my pilot's license. Also, I'm a photographer and will still be starting a photography business with aerial photography being the main service. It would be great if you had any information on that side of aviation or if you would be able to interview someone that does aerial photography. Once again, thanks for everything you've been doing as it's been a huge inspiration and motivation for me on my journey in aviation. Well, you guys are really an inspiration to me. I love hearing all your stories. And as far as uh, uh, aerial photography, I've actually done quite a bit from the flying standpoint. When I was a flight instructor, I used to do uh, get hired to do quite a few different aerial photography tours. And I got to know the area really well. So if someone said I have to do a photo shoot on a certain corner, I'd tell them, listen, be ready because I'll get you over that corner rather quickly. <laughs> and and what I was doing is I was adding value to their organization because I would make that flight shorter and they're paying by the hour for that flight. So if I could make the flight shorter, then they would actually be able to save some money. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to come back to me. 
and they know that I'm trying to give them as much value as possible. The other thing is learning how to stay on station, stay on target, and how to to look outside and also look inside the airplane and control the plane and do both things at the same time, and that's what you work on with your commercial pilot certificate. Control the plane and also control the object that you're trying to, to photo outside the, the window there. Tom, I'm sure you've taken some pictures out the window. Yeah, I've taken some pictures, but I actually have a really good family friend who I try and fly with once a year uh, back in Michigan who um, he runs a photography business out of his 172. And uh, I've gone up with him a number of times, and your description is very accurate. It's, uh, it is like a juggling act trying to do that well, where you get the right angle, the right light, the right shot without losing control of the airplane. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's funny because there's the, the photography, there's a lot of times with helicopters, you know, that's another avenue. There's a bunch of photography as far as helicopters are concerned because you, you can stay on station. And I used to always tease the helicopter guys and say, hey, <laughs> I can do this cheaper and I can do it quicker. And they're like, no, you can't. You know, obviously there are certain things that they can do I can't do. But, uh, you know, I, it's true. You know, I can do just about what they can do. Uh, on a photo shoot, almost everything that they can do. It's uh, pretty interesting. As a matter of fact, interesting point here that, that that must be made. When I was in my meeting today, as far as air traffic control is concerned, there are so many aerial mapping uh, companies mm-hmm. out there, especially Google, who's out there doing surveys and doing mapping of just about everything from the air that uh, they, they it's, it's driving them crazy sometimes, and they're out there taking pictures. So they're all... Uh, I also have another friend in Alabama. That's what he does. He does uh, aerial surveys, aerial mappings uh, of areas for uh, for the road systems and for everything else. So there's a lot of that out there. A interesting. Lot of photography out there. Yeah. Uh, actually, you know, that's interesting. I should, gosh, he's a good friend of mine. I should have him on the show talk about aerial photography. Uh, so, yes, that's what we will do. And it's great to hear you from the Bahamas. Uh, you know, I was down there for quite a few years and uh, in the crawfish business, and that was another lifetime ago, but uh, that, that's cool. There's there's a lot of opportunities, by the way, for, for scholarships even in the uh, in Bahamas and also in the Caribbean. So look towards some of those. I, I encourage you to do that. I don't have them on the website yet, but, but I'll, I'll try to get them up there. So hopefully that's uh, answered your question there. So terrific. And it's terrific to see that you're know, 20 years old and you, and you know what you want to do. You have a great long career ahead of you. So I really encourage you to look forward to that. And uh, I know you do well. I know you will. Let's see. The next question uh, comes from Tiffany. And, and this is a good question because I'm not sure I was clear about this. So I'm glad she's asking this. Subject is, am I too old? Tiffany writes, hello. I've been a flight attendant at a charter airline for nine years now. I've been thinking about getting my pilot's license. I want to be a commercial airline pilot or maybe work for a corporate airline. Problem is, I'm 38 years old. Given the time and expense involved, Am I too old to enter this profession? How long would it take me to complete my training? Once training is complete, how many years would I have in the profession before I have to retire? A lot of really, really good questions there, Tiffany. Yeah. And this is terrific. You know, uh, just to make people understand, uh, I'm not sure I made this totally clear. I, I've been flying since I was 23, but I didn't fly professionally until I was 33. So I didn't start till I was 33 years old. And I actually didn't get to the majors till I was in my mid forties. Uh, but you know, it, it wasn't all about you know. As far as money's concerned and the limitations, it's much better to get in when you're younger because it's it's your pay at the airlines, especially, is all based on how many years of service you have. So if you can get to that maximum pay, a lot of times they top out at twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years. 
If you can get 15 years of service, the rest of your career is going to be at that top pay rate. And that can make a huge difference. How big of a difference? Uh, actually, millions of dollars worth of difference uh, just by doing that. A good example, sat down with a gentleman who uh, one guy went to one airline, the other guy went to another airline, and uh, the person uh, got furloughed and then went back after furlough instead of going with the airline that the one person went to. So they looked at their paychecks and figured over that 10-year period, the person that went to the one airline and stayed there and didn't get furloughed made a million dollars more in those 10 years than the other guy. Wow. That's a lot of money. I mean, it's uh, and it sounds, you know, that's over 10 years, uh, but that, that's quite a bit. And especially, you know, understand this. Let me just get, let it hit it home for you. A 15-year captain, say on a 737, uh, say an Airbus A320, and that's the most popular planes out there. We won't talk about the big ones, just those. You're probably going to be making about $200 an hour or 200000 a year because it's usually 1000 hours uh, a year that you get paid. You know, multiply that. Uh, say you take 10 years away from your career. That's quite a bit of money. That's like $2 million right there or more. So you're looking at a lot of money differential if you start later in life. Now, what if you do start later like I did? There's nothing wrong with that. You just have to understand that if you go to the airlines, you're going to have to retire at 65. If you go to corporate, though, and private aviation, you're not going to have to retire that early. You can actually fly a little bit longer. Just remember, you still have to pass your medical, uh, your second-class medical to fly there. So there are people that have hung in there for quite some time. And, Tom, I, 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 I've met a few people that are a lot older than 65 that are still flying. But uh, do you want to do that? You know, I know guys in their 70s still flying. And I'm yeah, sure I, I used know. to fly with a guy in his 70s, and he's wow. uh, a great stick. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know if he's still flying today. Now, I also know a gentleman who is, um, was in the airlines and left the airlines at, uh, I believe it was 55 to enter the corporate profession, and is now 63, I think, and, and with no end in sight. He loves it. So I, you know, on, in the, in your side, in the airline side, I know they have to retire at 65, but I've flown with older gentlemen, uh, on the corporate side, I mean, 70, that's, that's a good run. Oh yeah. That's a really good run. <laughs> that's a, uh, you know, it's interesting you said that because remember the age 65 rule changed in, uh, it went to age 60 back in 1959. And at that point there was pilots that continued to fly and they were 70 years old. As a matter of fact, I flew for an airline that had the oldest airline pilot because when they put in the age 60 rule, the person was 65 years old and they gave the airlines five years to comply with that rule. So when he retired, he was 70 years wow. old. I thought that was wow. so cool. I actually got to, I actually got to fly with the guy as a, in a simulator because he was a, my instructor. That was, that was such a, that such is a cool, cool story to see. You know, here's something that worked out perfectly for him. Uh, as far as completing your training, I have a student that I worked with years ago. This, oh, here's, <laughs> this is interesting. I went and I, I had this student I worked with. He was, his primary instructor was somebody else and I worked with him part time. He decided after he got his private license to go to one of these schools to finish up all his ratings real quickly. He finished up in six months, got all his multi and, and training time, etc. He is now, okay, get this. He's now going to be, when he retires, the most senior pilot at the airline I work for. So wow. the next time we fly together, I will still be in the right seat. But this time I won't be his flight instructor. I'll be his first officer. That is really cool. <laughs> I mean, wow. It's, it's incredible. He's 
he's 36, I think it is. And, uh, he's going to be, he's got quite a few years ahead of him now. So that's, wow. it's a really neat story. So you can get through it as quickly as you want. Make sure you, you have the money and the time and get it done as quickly as you can. And, and like Tom said, you don't, there is no age limit there. So, uh, before you have to retire, if it's something you want to do, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a blast. Uh, when you leave it, when you don't have it anymore, I've had it taken away from me quite a few times uh, through furloughs. And, you know, every time you look at an airplane, uh, you know, I'll never forget when I went to work for one of the airlines as a reservation agent because I had been furloughed from that airline. I was touring the airport and walked into the cockpit of an Airbus. And I said, God, I wish I was up here flying yeah. again. Uh, you, you will. You'll still get that urge years and years later. And you know, that I don't think 38 is too late. You just have to realize that you won't make as much, but that's because you don't have as much time. That's all. It's like anything else. I mean, if you want to start and become a doctor now, you wouldn't have as much time. If yeah. you want to be a lawyer, you just, you know, that's, that's all it is. Um, but that's, that's with any career that you start later in life. But I wish you luck, t- uh, luck Tiffany, and please, uh, uh, write me with more questions if you have concerning that. The next question comes from Tom. Tom writes, uh, thank you for answering my question regarding audio training material a couple episodes back. You gave some great information, and I quickly filled my iPhone with several new podcasts to listen to. I'm, I'm glad for that. I have two questions for you, and I'll try to keep them short. First, you've been promoting your work on different resources for funding flight training over the last couple of episodes, and after reviewing the links, I'm wondering if you might have some contacts I can follow up with here in Canada. You've done some great work on this subject already, and I don't expect you to shoulder all the research north of the border. But I'm just wondering if you might be able to point me in the direction of someone or organization to check into this a little more, given your experience in the industry. And yes, I do. Uh, actually, let me make a comment now that you talked about that. Um, as far as the, the scholarships are out there, uh, they're all free right now. If you register, they're free. You don't have to pay for it. Once I get beyond the 60 that are on the website, then you'll have to pay for it. And I, and I do have some Canadian scholarships out there. I'll try to forward those to you. There's a bunch of organizations in the Caribbean, in the Canada. I uh, also found some in Australia. So there's there's a lot of different scholarships out there. Uh, that That is the one thing that I haven't been able to work on. I have hours, hundreds of hours of work to do on that. So what I had to do is actually hire somebody uh, using my raise, <laughs> hire somebody to to help uh, put those on the on the website. Uh, but no, all those for right now are are free. The uh, I have in my booklet, I have over five hundred scholarships, and Jeez. I only have less than a dozen that are out there on the website. Uh, what I'm doing is I'm actually verifying every single scholarship. It takes me about an hour to two hours per scholarship. So as they come out, uh, the person that's working on it, uh, they'll be putting it out there. Uh, it's actually an organization that's helping me out. So that's going to be terrific. I can't wait to get all that information out there. It is, it is a heavy load, but I tell you what, it's, it's the one thing that I can do that, that can really help the industry. It's, 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 it's something that drives me because, just helping one person get a scholarship has been so incredibly rewarding because uh, that person, she didn't know anything about these certain scholarships. And I pointed her in the direction and found she had 30 different scholarships she could apply for and actually got one of them. So that made me wow. super, super happy to see that that was happening. So I'll, I'll look at, I'll look at uh, the list that I have for Canada and see what, what might be good for you. And I'll actually, I'll just send them along to you. That's what I'll do. Uh, but anyway, as far as, uh, the next question he has, he says second, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Tom, did you have any scholarship information from Canada before I move on? 
No, no, okay. I think um, you're the expert there. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> the uh, the uh, not not so, just an expert because of the fact that I'm working so hard on it. That, right, I mean, that's right. all I I, I I spend hours every day just looking at scholarships. It's uh, it's fascinating how much money is left on the table, and I'd love to get more people into aviation. Lot, you know, there's a lot of free money and a lot of things out there. You just got to ask. Yes, yeah. Now, now you say free, but there is one thing you have to do. You have to apply. True. You have, to, you have to apply for the scholarship. That's the part that's not free. It takes your time. But heck, if it only takes you an hour to two, two to get a scholarship that's worth a few thousand dollars, that was worth it. Right that's a good that's a good hourly rate. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, look at the ones that are worth fifteen to, to fifty thousand dollars. That's a real good hourly rate. So hopefully you can get one of those. Anyway, he went moving on to his second question. He says, Like most listeners, I've been obsessed with aviation as far uh, as long as I can remember. As a kid, I grew up on a farm just off the flight path of our local major airport. My family constantly called out when something big flew over. My brother and I would ride our bikes for miles through the country roads to watch a crop duster, and to this day, I'm always pointing out airplanes and helicopters to my girlfriend no matter where we are. My question is this. Does this excitement continue once you actually, quote-unquote, make it? I'm sure there are aspects of being a pilot that aren't exciting or glamorous, but from your perspective, are you still as passionate about aviation as you were when you blew your tires driving off the road pointing out a 747? <laughs> oh, my God, I forgot. I really did that. that we know so that em- place. Yeah. <laughs> that is so embarrassing. I can't. I, I, I did relate that in the in the podcast. But, yes, I was like pointing out, say, oh, man, look at that airplane. Yes, I, it's it's incredible. Uh, I, I still definitely have that passion. But let me just continue before I talk about that. It says, I've listened to the, the 10 reasons why not to be a pilot, but I want to hear if being a pilot is truly the best kept secret I imagine it to be. Thanks again for all your hard work, Carl. Listening to your podcast makes my commute to work more enjoyable and keeps the positive energy flowing to keep me pushing until I actually, quote unquote, make it from Tom in Calgary. Well, Tom, I love Calgary. It's also awful cold up there. But yes, you, I <sighs> I still am excited when I go to the airport. I, I might be a, a bit of an airplane geek. So uh, I think there's a, a podcast named that actually, but uh, I absolutely love it. I still look at airplanes. I still, as a matter of fact, I'm more interested in airplanes now than I was then. Amazingly enough, I've I've morphed into enjoying another aspect of aviation. I never thought I'd be interested in. I'm interested in in the actual airlines and the the production of different airlines and and the actual marketing of airlines and, and all those type of things, which I know I wasn't as interested in before. I was only interested in, in old airplanes and antique airplanes. Hmm. Now I've gone into this. So, so yeah, it's all, it's all up to you. I mean, I fly with guys that have been flying for years and uh, you get a GA guy, a general aviation guy in the cockpit or girl, and you start talking about airplanes and it's just so much fun. I mean, I'll have a four day trip and all we'll talk about is little airplanes. So yes, there is the, the, as far as the excitement, it's all about you. And we talked about that before, what kind of excitement you can make out of it. Uh, I'll give you an example. San Juan in Puerto Rico. I never used to go there. And now I've been going. And honestly, when I first went there, I didn't want to go out. I thought it was kind of dangerous. Obviously, it's a new city for me. Uh, but you know, you go out with somebody else, they show you around and you're like, Hey, this isn't bad. And now I'm exploring, uh, San Juan. And now I'm moving out and branching out and, San- and exploring all of Puerto Rico. So all of a sudden, here's something else that I'm excited about because now I can explore a new country. So now I get to, excuse me, a, a new island. And now I can go and explore uh, some area that I never was able to explore before. Like I went to uh, Haiti the other day. I've never been there. And and I'm really excited about all these different new experiences. So for me, it's really ex- exciting. 
I will say this. I used to go to Nashville all the time, all the time. And I would be there sometimes, oh gosh, one, two, three times a month. But what I would do is I would try to find something new to see. And, and you know, as people say, there's, you know, I had one person on this podcast who said, you know, there's just so many things you can do in Washington, D.C. And, you know, I, I agree with them to one extent, but also you, it, it's like anything else in your own hometown. There's, it, it truly is a serendipitous journey. If you can get out there and start looking around the corner and trying to find new things to do, I think that's what keeps it exciting. Uh, I have another friend whose father was an airline pilot, and he said all he did was see the inside of a of a hotel room. I don't want to be that person. I want to be the person that actually gets to experience everything that's out there. And you can do that if you're willing to to get out of the airplane, get out of the hotel, and go exploring on your own. Um, Tom, do you have something to add to that? Sorry. No. I, I, well, I mean, I guess I do. Yeah, I think the answer is yes. I mean, it is still, it still fascinates me to no end. I, 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 you know, just today I pulled up to our hangar and as I was parking, uh, one of our lots uh, backs up to an FBO. So there's a couple of tails and they're kind of overhanging this, this drop off to the parking lot. And, uh, you know, I just can't help but thinking, well, where are they going? You know, who is that? What, what are they doing? What's their story? And it is fascinating. And, you know, as we sat in meetings today, you watch them take off and, you can't help but, you know, veer from the speaker and watch the airplane take off. And, and uh, I'm on the arrival path into Phoenix from the north, and they cross my house about uh, ten to 12,000 feet. And they're usually idling down, but I can hear them, and I look up, and I watch them go by. And, you know, it, I'm, this is a, a, maybe a little bit embarrassing to admit, but I will get uh, – I'll wake up. Just last night, I woke up at uh, early hours of the morning. I just woke up, got ahead of cold woke me up and I got on to check some stuff on the computer and I pulled up flight aware and just tracked a couple of random flights. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's a, if it's as fascinating now to you, that's, that's a flag that it's probably going to be as fascinating, if not more later in the career. So my answer is yes. I, I would say the excitement does continue. You know, I, I, I think I can relate to this excitement with my father. My father was a doctor and he said, you know, there's, people say it's boring. You know, you, you're treating people for the same colds for the past 40, 50 years. <laughs> and it's, it's the same diagnosis. It's, it's the same uh, treatment for that cold. But, you know, it, it is exciting in that you, you're helping people, but there's also something that comes along that fascinates you and, and you have to, you know, come to the challenge. They're fewer and f further between. Uh, for instance, when you're flying, and you get really good at flying, say in crosswinds or something like that, that isn't quite as exciting as it was in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But you can find other things that are exciting. Always, you, you, you try as hard as you can for that perfect flight, and it never happens. So, uh, you know, that that's another challenge right there. I, I'd have to say I'm still excited. Uh, I There's certain things that excite me. Like I said, it's the people, it's the, the flying, it's the airplanes, there's... There's something new, and that's what you have to do is you have to find that thing that's new for you. I know there's some people listening that, that gosh, you know, they're really bored with it. You know, it's, it's hours of boredom uh, packed with hours of boredom, and that's that's not good, and it's time to get out, you know, time time to move on to something or else. Or take a or break. Or change the way. Exactly. Yeah. Take a long break. Take a long vacation, which, by the way, being an airline pilot, you sure do get a lot of breaks, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I try to take one week off a month, and some people will call that a vacation. Uh, so, you know, that, that's actually exciting for me, but it gives me the opportunity to do something like this. Um, and you're right. I, I, Tom, I think taking a break is really important. No matter what you do, no matter how much you love something, it's nice to take a break. 
Yeah, yeah. I still, uh, I mean, I, I'm Carl. I bet you're in the same shoes here. I, I sometimes have to force myself to take a break. You know, I'll mm-hmm. go on a on a three or four day trip, and then that'll back up to another three or four day trip, and then there's meetings on both ends of that. So I would be running for eight or nine or ten days sometimes. And you know, day eleven when you need to go back and finish up that project that you had the meeting on ten days ago. And you, you're, you're getting a little tired, but it's so fascinating and it's so fun and you want to get it done and you want to do it right. But you got to go, you know what? I, I just need a day to regroup. And, and the benefit is you actually come back to the flight or the project or whatever it may be with more energy, a new perspective, a better attitude, which makes it better in the end. So, yeah, you know, if you feel that, it, a break goes a long way. Well, Tom, I think that's a great place to end right there. A break goes a long way. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's terrific. <laughs> uh, they, gosh, we've talked a lot about a lot of things here. And, you know, we started off talking about uh, the job being stressful, dangerous, and boring possibly. But, you know, it's as stressful as you make it. It's as dangerous as you make it. You can you can vary yeah. the, the, the stress, the danger, and also the boredom. You can, you can vary all those things. Um, but Tom, I really appreciate you doing this again today. We had a great no time. No problem. No, thanks uh, for having me, Carl. Tom, I was they, like... Uh, <laughs> How can they get in touch with you? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. I always like coming on the show and, and these questions, your listeners, you've got a great group of listeners who they ask very relevant, uh, very, very, very questions that um, they're good. You know, I think they're tells uh, they're thinking and they're thinking about their future and they're thinking about their career. So you're lucky to have such a great group of listeners. And uh, if they want to find out more about corporate uh, flying, I do talk about it over at the Private Jet Podcast. And um, I always enjoy the questions that you forward me, Carl, from your listeners. Uh, happy to answer those anytime. You know, it, it's it's interesting that that you brought this up, and I should probably point this out more often, is the fact that, you know, no question is a dumb question. And I think all these questions are terrific. Uh, and some bear repeating, uh, you know, the reason we listen to certain things is, is sometimes we have to have that, that reinforcement every so often. If that's all, yeah. if that's what you're looking for, then terrific. That's great to, to hear that. And, uh, and that's why you're here. We try to do that. I mean, they, we're, I'm trying as hard as I can to give you the positives and also the challenges of, of the job itself. And I'm, I'm hopefully bringing that across, you know, and, but, but in general, it's hard for me not to be excited because, I do so many things in aviation that are so much fun. Uh, you know, I, uh, today I went to an interesting meeting with air traffic control. Yesterday I gave a presentation about loss of control uh, hmm. in an FAA seminar. Uh, a couple of days before that I was in Haiti. I mean, there's so many different things that are happening that's so exciting in my life right now. It's, it's really, really cool. So yeah, it's a very dynamic lifestyle. If that's something that attracts you. Yeah. And, and the other thing, uh, one more thing, is that the people you work with are pretty darn sharp. Um, you're working, and this is something I had to learn when I first started with the airlines. There's a thousands of other airline pilots, a thousand other pilots out there in general that are that are really good. You know, you may think you're the you're the top dog, best stick in the world, uh, but all of a sudden you get paired up with all these other pilots, and it's like, wow, you know, it's a humbling experience. <laughs> You know, like you said before, you know, you got to keep it, keep it humble, keep yourself humble during this. Cause, you know, I've, I've had that where I, I, I felt like I couldn't make a bad landing. And then one day I prang it on and said, like, Oh my <laughs> gosh. Now that was my reminder that <laughs> it's <laughs> that you need to be humble, you know, that's for yeah. sure. But, uh, but hey, you know, I, I really appreciate Tom being here and I appreciate your listening to this. And I, I hope you do get motivated by, by what we have here and, and also the people's stories and, and by what Tom has to say. And he's been a great co-host. And also, I really appreciate your, your listening to this. And, and if you want to find more about, say, scholarships and all, we don't have, uh, 
all the scholarships out there and they are for free right now. Uh, we will be charging for them uh, later on. And of course, if you want to become a member of the website, uh, you can do that if you, if you feel like helping out. Plus, with that membership, uh, you'll be able to, say you do an annual membership, you can get access to the pilot jobs book, which is something that Tom put together. And that'll really be a big help towards uh, moving towards a job. As a matter of fact, just go check it out at the pilot jobs book uh, at aviationcareerspodcast.com and, and see what it's like. He's got, he's got a great introductory video. Uh, we also put a, together a training uh, video with Len Costa of Stuck Mike Avcast, and that's the practical guide to, to winter flying. It's uh, it's very minimalist. It's uh, down to earth. It's a lot of fun, and you learn something about uh, airline flying and also flying in, in general aviation. Uh, if if you don't want to become a member, that's great. I appreciate your going to the website and also uh, visiting our sponsors. That's how we're able to actually bring all these things uh, to the podcast. And for me to be able to, to keep all this information out there really does help with the expenses. And I do appreciate that. But you know, in my life, as far as my aviation career so far, uh, today is a big day for me. Uh, this is my, my first anniversary with the airline I'm flying right now. Uh, I've, I'm getting a very large increase in my pay which is a wonderful thing. Uh, getting more pay is terrific. But uh, even if I didn't get that great increase in pay, I still love doing what I'm doing. I get to operate some really cool equipment. I get to work with some amazing people. I truly am lucky to be working where I am right now and working with the people. The big thing is the people I work with uh, and, and sharing those experiences in those foreign lands with those people has been absolutely wonderful. And you know what? You can have that experience too. If, if you just keep looking towards that and realizing what your goal is and also move towards that goal and, and keep that in mind that someday you'll make it there. Everybody else does. Everybody started from square run. You know, we don't, we don't all start as, major airline pilots. We're all born the same, and uh, and we move on from there. We get the training, and we move into becoming an airline pilot, corporate pilot, helicopter pilot, uh, air traffic controller, flight attendant, whatever it is, dispatcher that you want to do, whatever it is that excites you, maybe programming computers for the simulators. All those things are really, really exciting. The most exciting thing about it is the fact that you're in aviation and you've chosen an incredible career to get into well guys i really appreciate your listening and i can't wait to talk to you next episode and we'll have some more folks on i actually have somebody coming up uh in one of the the episodes who's going to talk about banner towing he banner tows up in uh maine in the summer and down in the winter he goes to everglade city in, in southwest florida it's gonna be terrific to see john there's a really good interview uh, or a good video about him and i'll share that with you next episode again to listen to this one it's aviationcareerspodcast.com uh, slash 45 i really appreciate your listening and uh, by next episode i'm hoping and, I, and do this for me if you could try to take one step just one small step towards your goal and let me know what that is if you could share it with me i'd appreciate it just go to the contact page we'll talk to you next episode and safe flying you have been listening to aviation careers podcast an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career this aviation podcast is produced by the valeri aviation corporation although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast Compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.